0: Hi, this is Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're listening to me on the Man Cave Chronicles, and we're having a blast this 35th anniversary of the Turtles month. Woohoo! Kalabanga, dude. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, You idiots!
1: I did it! with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture oh yeah tv nice movies oh i love the movies comedy and more from deep inside the man cave your host elias kevin welcome to the cave so awesome to be here
0: how are you today
1: good good how are you my friend
0: Fantastic. Busy is a one arm paper hanger. No, it's uh, just busy, busy as busy as all get out. We're uh, gearing up for um, the uh, release of issue one of uh, Drawing Blood, plus it's the Turtles' 35th anniversary this month. And uh, yeah, we've been we've been just having a super awesome, wonderful, busy, uh, busy month, uh, busy year so far. <laughs> hey, uh,
1: um, really quick, before we start this interview, I need to know, I know you went to college at UMass, which is like not even... 25 minutes away from me uh how was it going to, how was how was it going to UMass and what restaurant did you work to I'm curious well you
0: know it's um I took night classes at UMass Peter Laird was an official graduate of UMass okay. um uh, but he was uh but when I'm yeah when I moved into the area um uh friend I was uh, seeing at the time she went to UMass and so I was taking uh, night classes because I was also working full time. I worked at uh, Price Chopper on University Drive, okay, and I and I worked at Papa Gino's <laughs> over in the. what used to what was at the Mountain Farms Mall. Everybody used to call it the dead mall. So
1: yeah, um, yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's still. A, I think it's it's still a dead mall. <laughs> it's still a dead mall. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's tried so valiantly over the years to come back, and, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, a lot of good memories there. So yeah. for sure.
1: So while you were going to school there, how did you come up with the idea for? Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
0: Well, you know it's it's interesting because it was a slow evolution. Mainly when I was in uh, that area, um, you know that we call it, you know, generally the Valley, you know, Amherst, Northampton area. That's where I actually met Peter. That was the probably the most critical of my experiences. there. And I was actually taking a bus from um, Amherst to Northampton one day because it was a great. Um, uh, store in Northampton called uh, Main Street Records and they had great uh, comic books and art books and, and albums and CDs and so I used to go over there and and uh that was a, a great haunt of mine. And so um uh on this particular bus trip I found uh, a magazine uh it was a kind of a free fanzine newsprint um kind of kind of free giveaway kind of uh, giveaway thing um uh, called Scat, S-C-A-T, Scat. And it was um, uh, put together by local cartoonists, um, supported by local advertising. And uh, one of the artists in that particular issue was Peter Laird. Um, but I went over to their offices uh, about two weeks later and tried to sell them some of my cartoons and some of my illustrations. And they had said, "Well, you know, we don't really do that as much as we used to anymore. But you should really meet this guy, Peter Laird." Um, who uh, uh, is a local artist that's kind of that's into the same nutty stuff you're into you know superhero kind of you know superhero comic that kind you know that genre of stuff um, and he lives right here in town in Northampton. so it was uh, Bill uh, Mueller um, uh, who runs the Guild Arts Center was the one that made the introduction and uh, um, gave me Pete's address and so I wrote Pete a note and we got together and that was, uh, we started working together almost from the very first meeting, um, huh. uh, sharing ideas and, and penciling and inking each other's work and, uh, that kind of stuff. So it was, uh, a whole, uh, um, definitely a collaboration from, from meeting number one.
1: Yeah. How did you like decide you wanted to do turtles and splinter as a rat?
0: Well, it was, uh, kind of a funny thing that it was, it was just weird, natural joke in that, um, you know, I, I my line of thought that particular night back in 1983 was that if uh, if uh, Bruce Lee was a martial artist, uh, I mean, so Bruce Lee, if Bruce Lee as a martial artist was an animal, what would be the silliest animal he could be? And I was thinking, well, uh, fast moving martial artist, slow moving turtle, it just was such a natural joke, it made me laugh. And I yeah. did this doodle of a turtle standing upright. He had a mask on and nunchuck strapped to his arms, and I put it on Peter's desk and said, you know this is going to be the next big thing ha 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 it's a it's a turtle and that was the joke that started the the ball rolling and that you know more sketches evolved the group shot of all four of them and then yeah. we started working on the uh, the origin story and of course the the ever present um eugen that mutates so many people into superheroes in our comics uh, histories that, uh, and the you know, most of the superhero stories that we were reading, you know, Marvel and DC, they all took place in the version of New York city. So what's most prevalent in New York city is rats, uh, especially down in the sewer. So when the turtles fell down in the sewer with the ooze, they were, uh, um, they landed in the lap of a, <laughs> of a rat, uh, splinter. And that's where that, uh, has, you know, was developed as part of telling the origin of the uh, turtle. Yeah.
1: Was that a, now was there a certain comic that you were a fan of that also gave you the idea
0: there was a, definitely an amalgamation of many, many different kinds of comic books going back as far as uh, um, you know early versions of you know the X Men, which were mutated characters. You know the Hulk, which was mutated Fantastic Four. Um, you know every superhero um, had some sort of uh, mutation aspect or, or aspect, and, and one comic in particular, to me, was uh, I was a big fan of was. Uh, uh, a DC comic called Commandy, The Last Boy on Earth, which featured a, a, a universe of Planet of the Apes-like scenarios where apes were, you know, running the planet and the, the humans were the animals. So you had this whole uh, culture of mutated animals, lions, tigers, and apes, and other creatures and that sort of combined with um, my particular uh, fondness for a character named Daredevil, um, we sort of put everything into a blender and blended it up, and out came the Teenage Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtles. So it definitely was, you know, I would say our love poem to all of the favorite things that we loved about comic books at that time. So, yeah, a yeah. So bit of everything.
1: What was your favorite thing about creating the Ninja Turtles, and who was your favorite turtle that you enjoyed?
0: Well, you know, the I guess the, the best part of the creation of the Turtles was that um, we were lucky enough to find a fan base Early on, that, that liked the characters too. And so, you know, by them, you know, buying the turtles allowed us a, a way to make a living where we were drawing comic books full time and we could keep coming up with more stories and more adventures and expanding on these creations, which really started as a one shot, just going to be one single issue, beginning, middle, and end. We never thought we'd have a chance to do any more stories. So it really allowed us to develop the characters of the stories and, you know, all those things that made the turtles the turtles. And then, um, you know, as a favorite, it's, it's hard to narrow it down to a favorite because I feel like they're all of our, you know, both, for both Peter and I, they're our children. Yeah. Um, but, but I also, I, I look back to, I guess, Michelangelo, uh, the turtle, the nunchucks, because he was the first one drawn. So I'd say firstborn, maybe I'm a little bit more partial to him, but otherwise, you know, i love them all like uh, my, ch- my children. Mm. Uh, so what but,
1: motivated you that you, that you knew you were going to be able to publish like your own comic?
0: Well we were lucky in that um around this time in the comic book industry, there had been a number of self publishers actually it was a culture that had been around since the late sixties, early seventies was um you know with underground comic books or you know this sort of um hippie culture, you know doing um uh, these alternative comic books um you know black and white mostly self published you know, for all these artists that couldn't get work drawing superheroes from Marvel at DC, they still wanted to do other things, but do it in comic book form. In particular, guys like um, a guy named Dave Sim, who self-published his own uh, book featuring an aardvark, um that acted like Conan the Barbarian. That his, he started publishing in the late, um, in the mid '70s. There were a number of other self-publishers. A lot of movement in self-publishing in the uh, <clears throat> late '70s, early '80s. And that's what Peter and I gravitated to. We couldn't get work from with Marvel and DC either. We just, you know, we we weren't the kind of cookie cutter house style that they like for their superhero books. So, you know, didn't want to didn't stop us. We wanted to still draw comic books for a living. So we came up with our own characters and then self published them. So we borrowed some money and uh, <clears throat> from uh, my uncle and, uh, um, and and started out. Uh, you know, with a lot of. Kind of like a Hail Mary, you know, like, let's see if this works. If it's not, then, you know, we had a great time doing what we loved the most, which was drawing comics.
1: How much would you say the comic book world has changed from, like, the 80s when you were growing up to, like, now?
0: You know, it's still... um, The heart and soul of it's still the same. It's, you know, sequential storytelling, fantastical characters, um, you know, in in situations where, you know, certainly, you know, I guess the biggest change, I'd say, were, you know, back in, in those days when... You know, I was reading comic books in the late 60s, early 70s, and later, even, you know, throughout most of the 80s, you know, stories that you would see, say, maybe in an Avengers comic or some more mainstream comic books, you could never imagine them as, you know, seeing that on the big screen. So that made it super special. That made it super fantastic. You know, it's like reading a novel or reading a comic book because you were, you know, taken to the world of, like, Lord of the Rings, which you could never imagine that as as a movie back in those days or done well. Um, and, you know, now that technology's caught up with all that, that we now can share that, um, you know, all those fantastical ideas that once you could only, once upon a time, you could only draw it. In, you know, pen and ink in color, um, now you can see it uh, in full, full-blown full action in your local cineplex. But yeah. um, but mostly the heart and soul is the same. It's uh, great stories, great characters, a great way to, um, you know, do a little bit of escapism and explore fantasy without... Um, you know, spending a hundred million dollars on a movie, <laughs> um, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, you, you can let your, it, wherever your imagination will take you. That's, you mm-hmm. know, whatever you can write and draw, that's where you can go. With your, with your character, so,
1: yeah. Speaking of movies, how much did you, how much were you in the loop when the Ninja Turtle movies came out in the cartoons?
0: Um, back in the early days, pretty much everything you saw with turtles on it, whether it be, you know, besides the comic books, obviously, you know, all the work on all the early cartoon shows, movies, um, uh, toys, uh, Pretty much, I'd say, anything that you saw with a turtle on it or in it or part of it from, say, 1987 all the way through till the mid-90s, mid to late 90s, Peter and I had direct involvement. We had final say, final approval. We worked on strips, plotting ideas. We had, uh, you know, worked on the the, the movies uh, as far as approval. And, yeah, pretty much anything that, you know, had a turtle on it, we were part of it. And that was... um, super 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 exciting it was uh, it was a great time to be you know fully in charge of your characters and your creation because you know a lot of the guys that inspired us back in the day you know the guys that created Captain America and the Fantastic Four and those kinds of things didn't get to have that kind of ownership and control and say over the characters so we we felt pretty pretty blessed that we we were able to have that with our creations
1: so when you first when you created the turtles they were supposed to be like
0: dark and everything right well, it was written for it was definitely written for an older audience, um, but it was you know it was written for Peter and I, which I think um, I would say the the level of intensity in our comics were probably PG PG thirteen maybe at the most. It was um, you know violent but not too violent. You know, you can see your know, heads being lopped off and blood across you know spraying across all the panels and eyeballs flying around. You know, it was we did them with a, enough edge, kind of more of a an edgy swashbuckling kind of adventure. So it was uh, intended for all the audience, but we didn't go crazy. (laughs) Do you think we're
1: uh, we're going to see, do you think someday we're going to see like an adult oriented turtles movie where it's dark or even a cartoon that's dark?
0: Well, you know, what's interesting is um, in the, we call it the 2000 series when the, when the turtles uh, were on uh, Fox kids, Fox Saban, it was definitely an older edgier version of the turtles. And actually, uh a movie that was a cartoon an animated movie that was just released um about 2 weeks ago was a is a Batman yes. Turtles uh Batman Turtles crossover movie which is um definitely intended to uh, uh for more of an older audience so it's a PG-13 um but you know will we ever see a John Wick style Turtles movie I don't know <laughs> 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 uh, you know uh, raid redemption meets John Wick meets you know who knows you know that would the be great trilogy. Um, I think it's, you know, the, the original audience is certainly old enough and would be into that. And I think this, it's it's time has come, but, you know, we'll see if Hollywood will take us there. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. so tell us about Drawing Blood. And how did you get the idea for that?
0: Uh, Drawing Blood's kind of a um, uh, a two-part, um, two-part answer in that, uh, two-part creation and that, you know, I love that. You know some of my own experiences in comic books, whether it be you know you know publishing, -publishing, self-publishing, working in Hollywood and animation. um, You know there were so many different, interesting and bizarre, and crazy sort of aspects and antics that went into that. You know that business and what was going on in those different kinds of businesses or those kind of universes that a lot of people don't get to experience. And then I love the um, the rise to success, you know, too, too much money too soon, which, you know, you'd see, you know, the equivalent of maybe it's a, a sports star that, you know, gets signed to a $50 million a year contract or, or you know, a, a rock star that has a huge, um, a huge success and, and makes a lot of money early on as name was, you know, and my experience is that Pete and I made a bunch of money early on. And we both, you know, i certainly made a lot more mistakes, with uh, doing crazy rock star type of things. And so it was sort of when you're in the middle of all that, you forget whether, you know, if you're a sports star a comic book artist or a musician, what got you there was the creativity. And sometimes all the dis- distractions of success and money and all that stuff takes you away from what made you, you know, want to be that person anyway. So it's sort of a study of a character that's completely fictional, kind of a true story. We call it completely fictional true story of a A guy that created these characters called the radically rearranged Ronan Ragdolls um, had had some success in this, hasn't drawn in 10 years, and is now looking for his
1: his way home,
0: so to speak. His creativity, his lost mojo amongst the very crazy sort of uh, set of circumstances and characters that surround him. So it's a little Spinal Tap. Remember the movie, the Heavy Metal movie? Um, So it's kind of like a Spinal Tap meets Breaking Bad meets... um, you know, Armageddon yeah. is a film. It's just um, so it's it's a fun experiment to take a character through some interesting steps and paces and try you, some cool things.
1: Are, are some of those stories based on your journey?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I'd say probably you know 30% maybe, um, thirty percent, maybe forty percent. But it's what's fascinating is you know I've been in the business for thirty five years, and over those years, you know, I've met lots of different you know guys from you say Neil Gaiman to Alan Moore to Frank Miller to so many other people that have, you know, fallen, followed similar path. Some of my favorite stories that these guys would tell would be, you know, say the bar at the, uh, African comic-con would all be in the bar at the hotel or something. Telling war stories and swapping horror stories or telling about, you know, crazy adventures of we've had in Hollywood or publishing or whatever. And so I took a lot of those notes and I started keeping this kind of sketchbook diary of, uh, anecdotes and, for instances, and sort of tales, tall tales uh, from different people and sort of mishmash all of that into one one idea. So, yeah, I would say uh, about okay. uh, so 30% me and about uh, 70% lots of other people. Okay.
1: Well, so now you mentioned, you know, we're coming up to the 30-year anniversary of the Ninja Turtles and we're also doing Issue 100. Uh, tell a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, sure. The Turtles turn officially 35, 35. This May. Yeah, sorry, no, sorry, May 5th. Um, uh, yeah, I don't mind going back in five years. I'd be five years younger. Um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, May 5th, 1984 um, was the premiere of the first issue of the show. So May 5th of this year was the uh, 35th anniversary. And what's been so fantastic is um, I started working with the incredible Tom Waltz and uh, Bobby Turnow and so many fantastic artists at IDW back in 2011. And, um, you know, thanks to the the support of so many incredible fans, um, we are, I think issue 93 just hit comic stores. Um, but we have, uh, the storyline that takes us out through issue, which hundred issue 100, which comes out in November is, um, uh, beyond intense, beyond cool, beyond, um, it's sort of one of those I tell fans to, you know, if you're, if you've been reading it, you know, buckle up, put your seatbelt on and, uh, hold on tight cause it's going to get crazy. Um, uh, right up until issue 100 is going to be a double, a double sized, uh, double sized issue. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, um, it's, 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 our, it's kind of our, our tribute to the original Mirage series, um, yeah. called city at city at war. So we're, we're really, you know, we're going all out on this one. So it's, uh, it's pretty awesome.
1: How fun is it at designing the IDW covers?
0: It's probably the, the greatest, you know, joy, artistic joy in my life. And that, um, You know, because I get to work with, uh, you know, I can't say enough about Tom Waltz, who's the the head writer of the series. You know, we all, you know, help write in that we help plot and come up with ideas and sort of generally direct it. But Tom does all the heavy lifting. He does all the writing. He's written all 100 issues, and he's just a brilliant storyteller, brilliant writer. And what evolves out of those is just these uh, wonderful ideas that are brought to life by these, and I, I call them kids, because a lot of these guys that are working on the, Turtle comics these days are half my age. They draw better than I do, and they love turtles. <laughs> so they give they give me inspiration. They really, um, you know, I got to show them uh, what the old, uh, that the old man can still do it um, <laughs> <laughs> from time to time. But I do. I love the creativity. I love the energy I get from the series, and so designing the covers is is an absolute uh, absolute blast, yeah. uh, D- hand down.
1: Do you enjoy doing the comic cons and meeting the fans? Even you know, like like I'm 42 years old, so I grew up watching the Turtles, and like I can't wait for my son to get older, just for him to experience what I experienced when I was a kid.
0: Hands down, my favorite aspect of um, my business is that you know getting a chance to go out there and meet um, fans, because you know I and I joke with them, but I'm not really joking. I say that um, you know if I wasn't sitting here. Um, with you, you know, you guys lined up, and I'm sitting here. And I'm, I'm excited to meet you. If I wasn't sitting here, I'd be out running around the comic convention like you guys are having a great time. But I do love, you know, the atmosphere. I love, you know, comics. I love all the genres, and I love, you know, part of being in that that community. But at the same time, it's like much like I mentioned, the artists that I get to work with on the series. You know, the kind of jobs that we do also it's it's pretty solitary in that it's you know, it's not a team sport. We basically, it's, you know, we're, we're at home drawing, working, you know, getting up early and staying up late trying to finish, finish an issue. And it's it's sort of a solo activity. Um, so you sometimes don't realize you, you lose, um, you don't realize, um, the people that you're affecting and the people that are buying those, for until you actually get out there and meet them. And, you know, they get excited about, the latest story development or the latest story arc and that gets you even more excited and so uh, it's yeah. a really it's quite a, a natural high in that sense That's so, great. it's a wonderful That's it's
1: a wonderful great. thing uh, lastly how can the listeners uh find you on social media
0: um definitely go to uh, kevin Eastman studios.com it's um my personal website and it's uh we call it a fan site because there's different aspects to it there's um, levels where you can go in and see stuff for you know Hardcore fan club members only, but you don't need to go that you know, don't have to go there to go onto the site and find out what's the latest uh development in all things turtles, what's uh, uh what's going on with me for um shows, conventions, signings, events. Um, we sell all kinds of hats and prints and products, but pretty much you know, all things uh, <coughs> uh Kevin Eastman, um, the Kevin Eastman's adventures are you can find it at kevin com, and you know, we do the instagram and the twitter and the facebook stuff which you can also um find us you know in all those places but um but yeah the i would say the the fan site is the the number one place for all the latest and the greatest and you know we we're doing something crazy and new up there pretty much every day
1: yeah all right yeah this was fun kevin thanks for coming on
0: no dude it was a blast i love so, doing this stuff and so- thanks for uh You know, you're hanging out with us in our 30th anniversary, 35th anniversary month. So it's beautiful. Beautiful.